The first time is Chirp Radio's Live Lit and Music Series, recorded at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was First Burn. Up next, we have Jackie. She writes for the New York Times, Slate, and The Atlantic. Yeah, I don't know, some fucking fake news rags or some shit. She's written from everything from um, gun culture in rural Iowa to seltzer water for men's journal. Is it like Cosmo? Is it like where they try to tell you how to like do a blowjob with a donut, but it's like something about men and sex and self? I don't know. Curious is peaked. I guess it's just a review of Seltzer. Uh, guys, give it up, Jackie Shine. My optimism about seventh grade was, to put it delicately, misplaced. I was 12 and so excited to start at my new school. It was a Catholic school, all girls, very small. There were 40 girls in my class and most of them had known each other since preschool. Even if I had been sort of a normal kid, this was like walking in directly into Lord of the Flies 2 Mean Girls Boogaloo. (laughs) And I was pretty fucking weird. I was fat and awkward and too talkative. No one had explained to me yet that deodorant was socially compulsory. Um, At home, I was only allowed to listen to Steely Dan or classical music or the smooth jazz station. Um, My mom let me watch Homicide Life on the Street with her, and my favorite book might have been The Book of Facts 3, which I'd read cover to cover multiple times. I also had an extremely loud laugh. Uh, My shoes were from Payless, and I'm Jewish. So, it wasn't great. Uh, it, was, it was like, this girl Amanda liked to slam my locker shut whenever I looked away, and then when I turned back, she would be very busily doing something else. She found time to do this multiple times a day, and yet, here in 2019, bitch is still thirsty to be my Facebook friend. I don't know. Everyone liked Amanda. Uh, A teacher once got everyone in the class to embarrass me all at once because she found something about me obnoxious. She was my classmate Lauren's mom. Everyone liked Lauren, too. (laughs) But if you had asked me how school was going, it was fine. I'm great at being fine. I'm great at being fine. I just explained to my dentist yesterday morning that my threshold for pain is low, but it's offset by a remarkably high tolerance. This is, this is a family thing. From the time I was like four or five, uh, whenever I had to submit to something painful, get a cavity filled, or have blood drawn, or have an immunization, my mom offered not her hand, but her keys to hold, explaining that the best way to get through something that hurt was to distract yourself with a different kind of pain. So what I'm saying is that I was really good at being fine. Remarkably, I never developed a self-injury habit, and at this point in my life, I have enough other problems that it doesn't seem practical. Um, So what I chose instead was to become a kind of like manic optimist, Um, what I like to call an aggressive, positive reframer. One of my girlfriends once called me delusional. But it's not just fine, it's more than fine. There's comfort in imagining how much worse something could have been. 
everyone does this to some degree, but I need you to know that I am the valedictorian. It's an opportunity for gratitude. Maybe losing my eyebrows in a dumpster fire was really for the best. If I hadn't, I might have gone ahead and stuck my hand in there and gotten a third degree burn. There's a children's book based on a Jewish folktale called, um, I'm not making this up, it's called, It Could Always Be Worse. <laughs> it's not, not my autobiography. So it was fine, seventh grade was fine. Sometimes I got to sit with them at lunch and hear about all the mean shit they said about whoever else they'd excluded that week. And I did have friends, a couple of them, and sometimes I got to have lunch with my friend Holly, who was also unpopular because she um, had lupus, those little bitches. <clears throat> um, so it made her an unreliable lunch date though. But even that was fine because I liked listening to my Hootie and the Blowfish tapes, <clears throat> tapes, plural, <laughs> while having my usual hot chocolate Cheetos, Reese's peanut butter cups lunch alone. Relatedly, we wore uniforms, which meant no one would ever see me in my elastic waist jeans from the Chunky Kids catalog. Aggressive positive reframing. <laughs> but whatever, I was fine. Seventh grade was fine. And then my dad died. This story isn't about that, but it was very sudden right after Thanksgiving, and it was a school day, and I had just failed a math test when the secretary came looking for me. And she took me into a conference room, and I saw my mother there, and her face was frozen in pain, and her mouth was twisted up like she was holding the sour secret of the rest of my life. So there was that. The following week, I got a huge packet of mail from one of my teachers. It was filled with half sheets of pastel copy paper, pink and green and yellow and blue, folded in half or in intricate twists or not at all. One girl taped a friendship bracelet to hers. I tied it to my wrist immediately. I was so pleased to get these letters from my friends. Look how good things were, how right I'd been all along. Then I read the letters. They almost all went something like this. They were so sorry they were ever mean to me. Many of them confessing things I barely registered and definitely did not remember. Or sometimes they were so sorry they'd ever said anything mean about me. I hadn't known that they had. They wanted to be friends. They would be there when I got back and we could all start again. I hadn't known we needed to. But they were so sorry and it made me realize that they had really hated me. But you know what? I could work with this. This was an opportunity. When Holly called me every evening, I'd ask her to tell me over and over again about how everyone had cried, even the girls who hated me most. I could imagine the day they'd written the letters in homeroom sitting on a carpeted corner of the very same lunchroom where I'd spent so many hours with Darius Rucker, sniffling to themselves and feeling bad for me. There was proof in the letters. Some of them had circled spots on the paper and drew arrows to show me where their tears fell while they were writing. <laughs> Right? Like, they went all in. So, my dad was dead, sure, but I held their pity to me like a greedy blanket. Finally, I was one of them. I couldn't wait to go back to school.
It took about two months for me to figure out that they weren't really sorry, and they definitely did not want to be my friend. It was the day of my bat mitzvah, the Jewish thing, right? Um, a Friday, school was over. I don't think any of them were coming. <laughs> I was just about to leave when this girl Jackie, which makes the whole thing worse, another Jackie, um, although she has since gotten a very bad nose job, um, <laughs> ran up to me and she said, hey, and then in one breath, the way you say something on a dare, I have to tell you something, everyone thinks you're a lesbian, I don't think you're a lesbian, but you're not a lesbian, right? Well, as it turned out, yes. <laughs> but that day the answer would have been no. Uh, and I was so stunned that I don't even know that I managed to say that before she ran away again to wherever her little coven was hiding. None, yeah, none of them came to my butt. That's I was burning with shame. They hadn't meant any of it. They'd been scared, was really what had happened. None of them had ever lost a parent, and being scared made them feel guilty. It was, after all, Catholic school. So their reactions didn't have anything to do with me at all. Things had changed for me, but not for them. That night, at my bat mitzvah, during the service, I sat on the platform in the sanctuary between my father's dazed parents, my grandmother quietly, quietly crying on one side of me and my grandfather on the other side trying not to. In the middle, I was clutching two fistfuls of pain. Everything just hurt. For the first time, there was nothing to be made of any of it. It was the loneliest I'd ever been. It was the first but not the last time that I would have to learn that making the best of things doesn't really transform them or doesn't soften hard, hard truths. Making the best of things doesn't make them better. But it was all I knew how to do and it was all my family had really equipped me to do. I was so good at being fine. I tried so hard that day and for lots of days afterward, it must have looked like from far away like it didn't hurt a bit. But nobody was watching.
going on Seems we got a cheaper feel now All the sweet days are gone We come to the other side With minds like the Pedia They must have paid her a nice price She's putting on the string being love This is not real this is not really happening You bet your life it is You bet your life it is Well you bet your life It's just peel out the watchword Just peel out the watchword So much as a man with a golden gun, this and know so much, this and know so much. And as a man with a golden gun, this and know so much, this and know so much. As a man with a golden gun, this and know so much, this and know so much. As a man with a golden gun, this and know so much. Here's a man with a golden gun Things you know so much Things you know so much Here's a man with a golden gun Where's your birthday please, girl? You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.